yoing 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 any way you want it, that's the way you need it, any way you want it, yeah. Come on, everybody, everybody, even in the upper deck, sing along. Highway run, oh yeah, to the midnight sun. Is anyone else watching the telly? You see, the Texas Rangers have won the World Series. This team from Texas, wearing blue uniforms this evening, they've won a World Series. They've defeated a team from the desert known as the Diamondback Snake Team. They have a snake for a logo. That's okay. It's all right. Is this interesting to any Americans? Honestly, were you wagering on this just to make it a little more exciting? Huh? Were you flipping the channels and said, eh, I guess so, maybe, eh? Why not? It is the World Series after all. Yeah? I'm breaking news right now. The Texas Rangers just won the World Series. How many of you listening to this just learned that for the first time? I'm curious. If you're a baseball fan, a sports fan, you knew that. But how many of you are like, oh, okay, I guess the Texas Rangers won the World Series. And who cares, right? I actually am a baseball fan and I'm a sports fan. And I just watched a Major League Baseball team win a World Series. On a called strike three and they dogpiled and they high five and they hug and I really didn't care. Do I have a pulse? I mean, I just like watching celebrations in general. That's why I tuned in. And I guess that's great for Bruce Bochy. You gotta love Boach if you're a baseball guy, if you're a Giants guy, if you're a Padres. Actually, no, if you're a Padres fan, I don't know how you feel about Boach, but it's a hell of a skipper. Gets it done wherever he goes. He's gonna be an ageless wonder gonna be like a sparky anderson he'll just manage until he digs the grave and lays in it with a beer and a cigarette and says farewell baseball all right baseball's been good to me you could close the top of the coffin lid Bye bye bochi out bury bochi with my giant's hat on you could bury bochi with my texas rangers hat on too you bury Bochy with all four rings. That joke sounds like you're burying Bochy alive, but that's the way he wanted it. That's the way you want it. Anyone in needs, everybody loves that song. I don't know that song. I mean, I know those words. They're in my head right now, but I don't know the band. Is it Journey? Is it Bon Jovi? Is it In Excess? Is it a group like that? Like those tapes that I would borrow from my older sister? I don't know. I do know when you watch a lot of sports, you see a lot of fast food ads. A lot of fast food ads. And it always looks good. Even if you're a vegetarian, can you please admit that? Looks fucking amazing. If you're a vegan and you're an animal rights activist, can't you admit that bouncing beef and an all-white backdrop looks amazing? Maybe it's art. Maybe they have it down to a science in the advertising world, but have you noticed this? The food is always bouncing. Burgers are just dropping from above. Fries just falling from the sky. How does that promote food? I don't know. But they understand our brain chemistry. They're like, let's just drop burgers from above. In slow-mo, they're going to bounce. It's going to be an all-white table, an all-white background. People are going to think they're in heaven, they're dead, but the burger's all they need. We're drawn to the beef. The bouncing burgers with the beef and the fries from the sky. I love it. 
fast food burger ads during a football game, a baseball game, a basketball game. I'm not even in a rush to get back to the action. You can see where my priorities are nowadays. You know, I've read there's only about, I don't know, 13, 14, maybe 15 minutes max of action in a tackle football game. Seriously. If you're an NFL fan, you're like, I can't wait for the Niners game on Sunday. I can't wait. And let's say it kicks off at 10 a.m. and you're on the couch till 1 p.m. You only watched 15 minutes of actual athletic action. Everything else, they've calculated this. Everything else was just shots of the team getting ready for a play, shots of the crowd, shots of the refs, refs, replays, injury timeouts, and commercial, commercial, commercial. Commercial, 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 quarter break, halftime, commercial, commercial, commercial. How much beer and bouncing burgers can you handle? The answer is quite a bit, quite a bit. I'll do the math. You could do the math. We're watching more bouncing burgers than actual balls. On a Sunday, if you sit down to watch your favorite team, you're watching more burgers just bouncing than balls. Hey, he made a point. Was it a good one? I'm not sure. But there's no judge and jury on this podcast. There's just an old wrinkly man. Doing his bochy impression into the mic. You bury me with all my balls. And I'm not talking about those balls. I'm talking about the baseballs that I used to play with in my days in Houston when I was a backup catcher. Got plowed by Pete Rose. You look at the footage. It's not a good bochy impression anymore. I think I had it. Maybe I never had it. And now I've lost it. So I just have to move on. Move on without thoughts. I don't have any bullet points tonight, folks. But we made it this far. So we're doing an episode. We are doing it. My mother-in-law's in town from Fargo. She's in the other room. And I said, goodnight already. I said, goodnight already. And it's like 8.20 p.m. I said, goodnight already. They're wondering, what is he doing in the bedroom? What is Mr. Mischief up to? Mr. Mischief, they call me around here. Oh, come on. I will say this, though. Mr. Mischief doesn't play around with those e-bikes. Have you seen these? Of course you have. Not have you seen e-bikes, but have you seen who's on the e-bikes? These 11, 12-year-olds going 30 miles an hour down the thoroughfare? What do you call roads? Down the expressway? Down the boulevard? It's not just me having these conversations. Is it? Hey, folks, in my age range, which could be, I don't know, adulthood of any kind, when you see these middle schoolers schmobbing down the street at light speed just ready for a major injury do you cringe is it just me who are these parents buying these e-bikes for their kids this is an old man rant i'm realizing it as i'm saying it let the kids have fun right let the kids have fun i'm all about let the kids have fun but aren't these kind of like motorcycles in this lawless world of they found a loophole because they're not really motorcycles but they're e-bikes you don't have to wear a helmet you don't even have to be 13 years old Here's your Christmas present, Tyler. You got yourself an e-bike. And it comes with an attitude. Have you noticed these kids on the e-bikes? They don't give a shit about stop signs. They don't give a shit about you. They don't care if they have to fly across your windshield with a double middle finger to let you know, I play by my own set of rules. Pops. Did that seventh grader just call me Pops as he slid across my windshield because he was going 28 miles per hour, which is fast. Do I have a hot take on e-bikes or what? That's a hot take. But as a dad, if my girls were like, Pops, can we have e-bikes? I say, hell no, you can't have e-bikes. We're staying in to play guess who? Is he wearing glasses? Nope. Is it Walter? 
No, you don't guess a name. You have to guess the traits. Does he have a mustache? Okay, your turn. Guess who gets boring in a hurry, but it's better than letting your kids ride the e-bikes. I'm being totally serious for a moment. These are crazy. These are so crazy that it's not a surprise at all if you hear that little kids are crashing these bikes because they go too fast. I formed an opinion on that. huh? That's a fully formed opinion, but I realized something about opinions. And this is a great thought. This is great. You don't have to have opinions on everything. You don't. There's a lot of social issues. There's a lot of political topics out there that you don't have to have a fully cooked opinion on. We're allowed to say, I don't know. And I know that because I have students and I ask them questions every single day. It's a social studies classroom. I ask students their opinions on history, current social events, political issues every single day. I have a question of the day, a little quick write, a little warm up, a little do now question. Hey, let's warm up our brains. Think of the themes we're going to get into. But I have to admit to them, opinions can change. You know, if I call on you today, November 1st, 2023, welcome to November. If I call on you right now, 16-year-old in a Tara Linda classroom, and you present your opinion, it's fine if it changes. We understand that, right? I heard an interview with a philosopher recently on a podcast who said, if you're surrounded with too many people who never change their minds, it's not a group you want to be around too long. Find people who are still capable of learning, informing themselves, could lead to having the ability to change your mind a little bit. Ask yourself that question right now. Let's all do it. When's the last time you changed your mind about something? Could be a person, could be a policy, a law. When's the last time you changed your mind about something? If your answer right now is never, I've never what, changed my mind. What do you mean change that accent again? Just let it go, right? Let it go. I'll let it go. It's okay. Didn't work for us. Okay, we tried it. We tried a little bit. Didn't work. But if your answer is like, no, I don't ever change my mind. I'm a radical left. I'm a radical conservative. I just always feel this way with my, what is it? Your religious convictions, your nationalistic, jingoistic, patriotic convictions, or your lawless anarchist convictions. You know what happens? We grow up. Think about yourself at 13, 14, 15. You still have those opinions? Maybe you do actually. Maybe you do, but it's okay to change your mind. It's okay. I find that happening quite a bit, actually. I'll just be on the couch with my wife, like the 10 minutes before Saturday Night Live starts, and I'm like, all right, I've got to kill sometime. Hey, so what do you think about the Middle East? And my wife will say something, and then I'll say something, and I'm like, okay, this conversation will probably bleed into SNL a little bit. I might have to hit the e-brake on it. Let's put a pin on that, because Nate Bargatze's monologue's about to start. But honestly, if you have a conversation with someone who's kind of informed, bit of an intellect, The point should not be to go back and forth and spar with them. The point can be, oh, I learned something. That's why surround yourself with some smart people and people who have the ability to change their mind a little bit. What's an opinion? Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit about your opinions? If you're holding on to them, you're just holding on. Like fingernails. You're being pulled through dirt. Your fingernail. I don't know why you're being pulled through dirt. This is not a great situation I put you in. But you're being pulled through. Someone has your feet. Okay, picture this. You're laying on some dirt path and someone has your feet and you're trying not to get pulled. So you're clawing. You're clawing into the dirt. Picture your fingers, your fingernails just clawing in. No! 
and you're saying no out loud like that. No, that's people hanging on to their opinions. Stubborn, stubborn, just totally unwilling to be exposed to all to an alternative to an alternative viewpoint. The word un a n, and I said on, on. I just chewed my tongue through that word. Like the ability to be exposed to an alternative viewpoint. Oh, buddy, you haven't slept. My two-year-old woke up so early this morning screaming. I think we uh, gave her too much candy. Two-year-old just in a wagon being pulled through trick-or-treating. Fistfuls of candy. We're not really regulating that. It's Halloween, right, parents? We're not monitoring the situation too closely. But this morning, you know that two-year-old's like, just woke up like, nothing's nothing's right. Nothing. Head, stomach, feet, ma, into the monitor. Dad. And it wasn't one of those, this will pass. So I've been up a while. And then I thought, hey, I have a brilliant idea. I'm going to work the whole day without a pause. And after school, going to do a little mock trial with the assertive students who want to be lawyers when they grow up. They're all smart, very smart, probably smarter than me. And then come home, deal with the kids, and then say, you know what? Instead of getting in bed right now and reading a Gary Goldman memoir, I'm going to do an episode. It's called episode 223, and this is the one we're talking about opinions. But do I have any opinions tonight? Yeah, e-bikes are dangerous. Oh, that was clever. That was clever. A lot of us, when it comes to like forming an opinion, it's not until someone asks. I don't think most of us just go to sleep writing down our opinions on everything, right? It's maybe based on something you read or a conversation or someone asked you, hey, what is your opinion on this person, this situation? And you're like, oh, shit, I might have to inform myself on something like I read something and this is weird that people get asked this question have you heard of the Pew research firm Pew P-E-W okay had to spell it for you not P-U-G-H you Pews out there you know who you are all right you stay in that Pew lane I'm talking P-E-W Pew research this is a company that just asks people I don't understand polls okay we all get so caught up into polls If you watch the nightly news, they have a lot of poll questions. Here are the results. Poll questions coming in. The poll survey results are coming in. It turns out this amount of people feel this way. Who? Who's getting asked it? Where are they getting asked? Is your phone ringing? Is your landline ringing? And someone from the Pew Research Center Institute is just saying, "Mm, how do you feel about global warming? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who are they asking? Here's why I ask. James McBride is a great author. Great author. Wrote one of my favorite books ever, The Color of Water. And he was in town. He was at Dominican University and he was being interviewed. And all of a sudden he just said something about Mormons that wasn't that nice. I think he said something like, I hope my kids don't become Mormons or something. Or like, they seem a little out there, Mormons. You know, you don't want to tiptoe into that fragile territory of pointing the finger at another religion and saying, that's kind of a weird one. I mean, you could feel that way. You can say it. It's America. You could say a lot of things, but you're really not supposed to, right? I mean, religion... To a lot of people, it doesn't make sense. But you got to keep these thoughts to yourself. But James McBride, and he's older now, he's being interviewed, and he said something about Mormons, and he's like, I probably shouldn't say this. Whenever someone who's like, I don't know, past 70 says, I probably shouldn't say this. 
People just scoot closer on the edge of their seat. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Or li- it's entertainment, right? I probably shouldn't say this, right? Even if I said that. If that was how I prefaced a lot of my points, yeah, I shouldn't say this. It's more exciting. But what he said caused people to go, ooh, you shouldn't have said that. And in the article, I, re- I wasn't there. I didn't go to this James McBride event. But in the article I read, it said the Pew Research Center actually did have a poll on how American adults feel about Mormons. And in the article, it said uh, 25% of American adults have an unfavorable view of Mormons, while 14% have a favorable view, and 59% have a neutral one. The article went on to say, by contrast, 6%, according to this Pew survey. What a weird survey, right? By contrast, 6% of people interviewed have an unfavorable view of Jews, while 35% had a favorable view of Jews, and 58% had a neutral view of Jews. Here's my only question. I'm not going deep on this one. Why are they asking people this? Like, what does that do for us in society that we have a research firm that's doing these poll questions and asking you, hey, how do you feel about Mormons? Favorable? Unfavorable? Neutral? What about Jews? Uh-huh. What about Muslims and Christians? How about, and this is just a crazy thought, we don't ask the question. Now, this isn't I want to live in a bubble of naivete and ignorance is bliss, but as I'm reading the article, I'm like, who, who's conducting this and why? Why do you have to conduct this survey about people's view of Mormons, Jews, and other religions. I, I genuinely don't get it. Like, what's the end game? Now you could print it in a newspaper and people could feel like the world's out to get me. If you're a member of those groups, you're like, ah, oh, the world's out to get me. I don't know. Maybe the world's not out to get you. Maybe you just watched some news clips and read an article about the Pew Research Institute, the center for asking people weird questions, and it skewed your whole vision of how you're viewed in society. That's a scary thing, right? Like if you read a story, a hate crime towards your group, whatever your group is, a hate crime towards your group, that's going to alter your life. For a lot of people, that would alter their life. And that's an ugly, ugly thing for so many people to live under this heavy thought of, am I hated? Like just for being this way? This is how I was born. I didn't pick this. I didn't pick this. Just born this way. Born into that family. Born with this skin color. Born with this culture. You know, I was born with that religion. And now there's a group that's just so upset with me. They hate me. They think I could have picked something else. Damn you, Jewish Josh. You should have picked a better religion. Damn you. Damn you for doing that. Sorry. And now it's scary because there's a group, there's a percentage that has an unfavorable. I like the neutral people, though. Neutral. You couldn't even say nice things. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You answered your landline. It was someone from the Pew Company, the research Corporation of America, and they're like, your view of Jews? And you're like, neutral. The answer came so quick. I'm okay with that, actually, if you're neutral about Jews. I'm totally fine with that. Favorable? I mean, that's nice. That's nice. And then unfavorable. That's, yeah, that's James McBride. To get me back to my original point, this podcast is brought to you by The Color of Water. This book now on Amazon. Paperback for $6.99. My first sponsor. Promoting James McBride's books. That didn't do it justice at all. You saw what I did in San Diego. You saw what I did in San Francisco. 
Big Bochy brought rings to the city by the bay. And Big Bochy's bringing rings to Texas, the Lone Star State. Deep in the heart. <coughs> Sorry, this impression's tough on the throat. And it's not a good one either. I thought we left that behind. The British accent, the Bochy impression. No need, no need. My wife watched 12 seconds of baseball this season. And it's because I said, look at the TV. Look, the Rangers are celebrating. And then they do the shots to the D-backs dugout and they're all sad. My wife was impacted. That's human emotion. She said, God, I feel sad for them. I was like, yeah, I kind of do too. I mean, they're all well-paid playing baseball for a living. But for one second of my evening, I was like, I feel bad for these D-backs players who I can't name. I can't name D-backs players. Can you? I used to, God, the World Series, are you kidding me? A slice of Americana. I used to watch every pitch of every inning of the World Series for so many years of my life. And this, I just tune in for the celebration. Come on. Come on, Josh. You're not that busy. Get back into baseball. Get away from articles that are asking people about their view of Mormons and Jews and just get back into baseball. I think that's healthy. I really do. If you're a nerd about something... Something so innocent, innocuous. Is innocuous the right word right there? Let's just go with it. Something so innocent and innocuous as baseball. But you're studying the stats. You're in a fantasy league. You know the whole roster. You know all sorts of new age stats, not just HR, RBI, and average. Like when I was growing up, all you needed to know was a home run RBI and average of a player's baseball card. Now there's too many stats. And that's not fun for me. And now the way, oh my God, have you seen this? Holy shit. Here's what we can't have. The players in the field now have a little card in their pocket and they know exactly where to stand. They know, I mean, it's okay to, you know, have some savvy gamesmanship. But when you have it that down to a science, I mean, these are incredible athletes. Let them feel it out. But where a coach is telling you, five feet over to the right, two feet back. Okay, right there, because we studied the tape and a large percentage of his hits go to that exact quadrant, those coordinates on the field. The players who take out the little card in their pockets to know where to stand, I don't like that at all. Okay, I got opinions. I got opinions tonight. It turns out I have opinions, but guess what? A year from now, I might come on this podcast and go, I love how the players know the science of baseball so well that they know where to, I'm allowed to change my mind on that. I'm allowed to change my mind on e-bikes. Who knows? Maybe my girls in 10 years are getting e-bikes for Hanukkah. Do you have a favorable view of Jews or a neutral view of Jews or an unfavorable view? Why are we asking the question? Let's not ask the question, huh? Huh? But there's a question. There's one question we can ask, and that is, we're going to get into some philosophy right now. We're going to get into some deep shit right here. Follow me. Follow me. Watch your step. Watch your step. Okay. Now follow me down the hall. Okay. Make a left. Just a dog ears a little bit. No dog legs. Dog ear. That's folding a book. I meant dog legs. It dog legs left. Follow me. Okay. Now have a seat. Okay. Now picture the room. Okay. Describe it. Describe a room. Go for it. Most people will mention the furniture, the art, the rugs, the walls, the ceiling. You just mentioned the things, the things. We can only describe what exists, right? All right. Stay with me on this. This is going to be fun. We're going to get into some deep psychology right now. All that stuff was just created by us, humans, assembled by us, built by us. I went into my driveway the other day with the family, and I said, look, look at everything. What we see is we see telephone wires and homes, and we see paved roads, and we see all this. And I go, if we were standing here in 1950, that's how recent all this is. If we were standing here in 1950, we're standing on dirt next to a coyote 
looking at just hills, blank hills. That's not how anyone would describe my neighborhood. Obviously, because that's not what it looks like. You don't describe the space. The constant has always been the space, but we don't know how to describe it. It's impossible to describe, explain, or even feel. So we view the earth, this little floating rock, and the vast, expansive, immeasurable universe. We view it in just terms that we're comfortable enough to explain. Oh yeah, this is called uh, Del Ganado. That's called Bank of America. This town has an ice creamery that we enjoy. What are we talking about? Like the most recent developments? And that's how we explain everything? Really, on a daily basis, our whole existence is based on these little things that we've built into our planet with our own bare hands. And it creates our entire experience. Our entire experience. We're not looking at the space. Just everything in front of you right now. Your home, your car. It's possessions. Your place of work. All your items. Items. It's all very easy to cling to. We could describe all that shit. The mystery beyond, which is pretty much 99.999999999% of everything. We're not describing. We're not explaining any of that. It's too much of a mystery. We don't get it. But not getting it, that's the oneness. Oh, the word oneness? You know he just learned the word oneness, and now he's going to make his point. That's what unites all of us. Everything else is, you know, different there, different here. Oh, their toilets flush that way. Oh, their toilets flush that way. Their house is white. Their house is beige. Oh, look at all the many differences. But the oneness, the space that we're all in... The mystery of us who don't even look at it. We don't even look at that. That's what unites us all. feels good to be united too. It actually feels good to be united. I forget who I heard. I should attribute. I heard someone say recently that all Americans, and I could be totally wrong, but I kind of liked this comment, is that all Americans kind of like being here. We all have opinions on what this experience, this American experience should be, but we could all admit it's good to be here, right? Because we read world news from beyond and it looks worse. It often looks worse. So it's good to be here. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're listening. You're like, no, I hate my experience in this country and I wish I was elsewhere. Fine. I don't want to speak for everybody, obviously. But I do think people on the right, people on the left, moderates in the middle. We can admit, yeah, we like it here. We like it here. We want it to be this for our kids. We want it to be this for our kids. Here's our views about that group and this group. And fine, fine, all the opinions that collide, great. But we all kind of can just take a step back and look around and go, it's good. It's good here. It's not perfect. But sometimes you do need to read a story from another country where you're like, ooh, shit. No, thanks. That sounds brutal. And just saying that kind of makes me feel overly privileged. That's a weird feeling, right? To read about strife, conflict, suffering, war. And then, you know, once those thoughts, like you could read an intense article, and then once those thoughts kind of wash through you, you process those, then you pick up that remote and you point it at a television and you turn it on, and then you can watch Bochi guide the Rangers to a World Series victory, and then that's fun again. It feels good again because you have that ability. We do have the ability to detach. I mean, we can overconsume social media we can overconsume the news and the heaviness and we could have some ugly exchanges of opinions and then you just turn your direction elsewhere that's the most buddhist thing i could ever say that the most emotionally charged feeling 
That dissipates kind of quickly, doesn't it? I mean, when's the last time you were pissed? When's the last time you were so angry? How long did it last? There's no way you're going to tell me more than a half hour. Maybe 45 minutes. But at some point within an hour, you're like, ah, I'm coming out of it. And that's nice. Then you set the precedent. Then you have a reference point for the future. And you go, oh, we come out of this. We come out of that feeling. Now, on the flip side, when you're full of joy, like my two-year-old coming out of the bath today, I've never seen, she was probably so delirious that she was just all giggles and laughter. I was like, this is fantastic what she's going to scream in the morning. She's going to cry. There could be a tantrum. It's right around the corner. But just enjoy the joy. Enjoy the joy. You know who clearly enjoyed the joy? Tom Bodet. Tom Bodet. Isn't that weird that you all know that name? I have 11 lamps in my classroom. 11 lamps, because I don't like to use the overhead fluorescent lighting. Gives you headaches, gives the kids headaches. You can't do that. So I bought 11 lamps for my classroom. And it's a chill scene. It's a pretty chill vibe in there. I really like it. The kids seem to be taking to it. They enjoy the calm environment. I also have a diffuser for my essential oils. I got plants. I got it's a, It's a nice space, okay? It's a nice space. But when I leave every day, I turn off 11 lamps. And in my head, I hear Tom Baudet. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the lights on for you. And I don't know why I hear him say that, because I'm turning lights off. But there's something so calming about Tom Bodette. It's like the perfect voiceover. Just listen to this motherfucker. Sorry, I haven't sworn enough this episode. Have you noticed? It's been a little clean, so I had to call Tom Bodette a motherfucker. Just listen to this motherfucker for a moment. Your friends will be totes jealous. I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Hey, Tom, just environmental purposes, you know, just thinking about PG&E costs. You can turn those off. No worries. You can turn those lights off. You know, when people check into their room, they'll flip them on. Weird slogan. He's not a celebrity. Like, I don't think, right? Tom Bodette, he's not an actor. Is he? Is he? Maybe he was in like some 1970s action show called like Jackknife. Right after Dallas. And before Hill Street Blues, it's another episode of Jackknife with Tom Bodette, who's always leaving the light on that fucking guy. Hi, Tom Bodette. Some folks turn 50 and freak out a little. Maybe they get a tattoo or liposuction or a tattoo where they had liposuction. But others just take 50 in stride and keep doing what they've always done, like offering a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Yep, Motel 6 is 50 years young, and we won't be getting any liposuction. That would suck. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6. 50 years and the light's still on. Ah, that's sweet, isn't it? We needed a little sweetness. When the world gets heavy, just put on a Motel 6 commercial. It's actually ineffective because no one listening would be like, you know what, I would like to stay at a Motel 6. No, Tom's not there. There's definitely jizz stains on the mattress and all the floor you don't want to go to a motel six but just something about tom making those jokes about liposuction puts you in a good mood i think that's where we should leave off i'm josh rosenberg and that's the episode for you i'm josh rosenberg for episode 223 and we'll turn all 11 lamps off for you when i leave my classroom at 4 p.m i'm tom bodette we'll leave the light on for you I love Tom. You know he's one take Tom too. You know it's not taking all day. Tom goes to work for, I'm guessing, two and a half minutes a day. They give him the script, grip it, rip it, bounce, peace sign, back into his Ferrari. Zipping out 
of the parking lot and everyone's just in his dust going, fucking Tom. God, God damn it, Tom. You nailed it. And yes, we know you'll leave the light on. You son of a bitch, Tom. <laughs> everyone's smoking unfiltered paw balls just talking about Tom. I'm Tom Bodad and that's episode 223 for you. That's in the books. I'll talk to you soon.